So I lit the Christ candle earlier to remind us that the light within us is where we come together, where we are one. It reminds me that I have to shine my light and that I came here as a part of God. We all came here as a part of God and in that light is where we become one. God is in each of us, each and every one of us. And we could choose to ignore that. Or we could choose to say, you know what, I'm going to walk through this day and be my best self and shine my light as God. We can live from the truth of the indwelling spirit, or we could ignore it and allow our ego to drive our bus. We have, each of us, have the divine inheritance, and it's our journey on this planet to uncover what that is, what aspect of God is ours to shine. And it's in us, and it's in us as us to do that. Jesus discovered his own divinity. He was our master teacher. And there's only two times that he said, the light of the world in the Bible. He said, the light of the world is within me. And he said, the light of the world is within you. We all have the light of the world within us. And he helped us see how it is that we do that, how it is that we shine that light. There's one way to uncover and discover this light of the world, according to Charles Fillmore, which is through the 12 powers. So you guys have known the last 12 months, each month I go through a different power. And this is actually the last power, but quite frankly, I think it's the first power. It happens to be that since I didn't get to talk in December, I got to talk in January, which is so perfect because it's the power of life. And my, my talk title is The Power of Living Life. And I want to add The Power of Living Life Fully. A couple of questions. Do you live life fully? Really fully? Well, what does that mean? Do you energize, vitalize, and enliven worthwhile projects and activities? Do you energize, vitalize, and enliven ideas, truths, principles, and laws that are divine in nature? Do you use the power of life to be the best version of God that you can be? Now here's where it gets really specific. Do you express love, real love? The kind of love that bubbles to the surface when you gaze at another with understanding. The love that places you in their shoes, granting freedom from judgment and deepens your compassion. Do you forgive, really forgive? The kind of forgiveness that cracks open your heart, peeling away one more layer of righteous indignation, thus allowing your soul to breathe. The kind of forgiveness that comprehends the difference between understanding a behavioral choice and condoning it. The power of life is the ability to energize, vitalize, enliven, make whole, create, restore, heal, mend, procreate, regenerate. The color is red, same as the first chakra, which is our grounding chakra. The apostle is Judas. He's the custodian of life. And it's interesting because he was the betrayer, right? He represents the unredeemed life forces, which can be seen as negative aspects of life. It's the power is located in our generative organs, our generative center. 
Judas typifies that humanity still resorts to underhanded methods to meet obligations. To change this, we must assume a fearless attitude of mind affirming our unity with the spirit of purity. Praise and thankfulness are how we receive a greater spiritual life because blessings multiply. The feminine aspect is a woman named Rahab. In scripture, she was identified as the prostitute with a heart of gold. The story goes that she had a public house or a brothel and Joshua's spies were visiting when the king's men showed up looking for them. Rahab told them that Joshua's spies had left. She pointed the direction where they went and she said, go, go get them. Meanwhile, they were hiding in her house. In exchange for this favor, she asked for a pledge of protection from Joshua's soldiers because she sensed their connection to spiritual source. They granted her request. She proved her worthiness because she helped them escape. They gave her a scarlet cord to put on her window so that when the armies came, they would leave her alone. The scarlet cord of Rahab represents the umbilical cord to spiritual life. The power of life is read and located in the generative organs. So there is a lot of symbolism in the story of Rahab. She went on to marry Solomon, a Jewish man, which makes both David and Jesus her descendants. So ultimately for her, with fidelity and faithfulness of love, the way is open for man to enter the promised land, the kingdom of heaven, or spiritual consciousness. In the revealing word, Charles Fomer says, life is divine, spiritual, and its source is God or spirit. The river of life is within us, in our spiritual consciousness. We come into consciousness of the river of life through the quickening of spirit. That is what the 12 powers helps us with. We can be truly quickened with life and vitalized in mind and body only by consciously contacting spirit. This contact is made through prayer, meditation, and good works, being still, as Deb mentioned earlier. So life is the great indefinable. It enlivens everything. Some people think babies begin to have life when the union of the egg and the sperm come together. But yet, the egg has a life of its own and the sperm has a life of its own. And then that baby, that embryo, changes so many times in the woman's body, in the womb, and then it's birthed. And then it continues to change, it continues to grow, it continues to expand into life. Then there comes a day when that body transitions. And if you've ever been in the room with somebody who has passed on, you, that body is still there, it still looks the same, but something's missing. There's an energy that's missing, that's gone. But the first law of thermodynamics tells us, energy can be, cannot be created or destroyed. So this life force must somehow continue. Where does it go? So life did not start, as the poem said, right? That we were reading, for a meditation. It doesn't start with birth and it doesn't end with death. 
There are other ways that we speak of life. Have you ever, have you ever heard the expression, breathe life into a project? It means to give it energy. The power of life is actually used in all the powers to activate all of our powers. And it's not to be confused with zeal. Zeal is about the initial energy that you get when you're starting a project, the enthusiasm, the excitement, but life carries it through. So I have another question. This is one of my favorite questions. Do you seek adventure? Really seek adventure. The kind of adventure that requires you not only to take a leap of faith off your cliff of comfort, but the kind of adventure that actually sends you back to get a running start. I can't remember the last time I did that. The kind of adventure that shakes off, shakes the dust off your capable but underused wings and gives them an opportunity to catch the gorgeous wind of change. Do you play? Really play? The kind of play that gives value to the heavenly activity of fun. Knowing that fun is sacred, that play is equivalent is the equivalent of work, and that during play, renewal and rejuvenation usher in the newest ideas and the clearest choices for better manifestations. Do you view play as a necessary life function and not a debatable luxury? Another essential aspect of the power of life is it enlivens our mind and our body to achieve complete health, wholeness, and vitality. When we feel a cold coming on or any kind of sickness, we claim and speak our ability or faculty of the power of life to every cell and atom of our being. So do you seek wellness, real wellness, the kind of wellness that requires you to be fully conscious of what you put into your body? The kind of wellness that requires you to practice what you preach when it comes to self-love, while understanding that the power to dissolve poor habits is simply choosing to change. Wellness that says, this is the only body I have. Treat it with respect, praise it daily, and honor it as the holy temple that it is. I almost choked on praise it daily for me anyway. It's like, okay, that's a new one for me. Do you stop? Do you really stop? The kind of stopping that can't help make you vulnerable by becoming more familiar with who you are without distraction, smoke screens, excuses, or self-imposed numbing. The kind of stopping that turns you naked towards your feelings, giving them permission to express. No right or wrong. A stopping that simply lets you hear what you need to hear so that you can live life more effectively. Holistic spirituality embraces our spirit, soul, and body as one energy. Think of water, right? We have steam, we have liquid, and we have ice, but it's all water. It's the same as our body. It's the same as who we are, I should say. We go through many changes, just as I said earlier. We develop in our mother's womb, and then we are born into the opportunity for greater development and expression. This is the way of the creative process. We're born again and again as we pass through various development stages and experiences. But we are still ourselves. And when we graduate from this body, there will be further expansion, experiences, and work to do. This brings me to the question of eternity. 
Where is eternity? Where does eternal life begin? Maybe it is better to ask, am I living fully in the eternal now? Life is not measured in quantity, but in quality. That is why I chose these questions, to look at the quality of which I'm living. So do you share your good? Really share your good. The kind of sharing that comes from that pure joy of seeing another succeed. Do you tie back to where you are spiritually fed, transformed, and inspired? Do you practice random acts of kindness and give of your time, talent, and treasure, realizing that your good is part of a never-ending wellspring that cannot run dry, whose source is and always will be the infinite wellspring of the divine? That brings me to the book Divine Audacity by Linda Martella Whitsett. And she says the principle of life expresses in animation, vitality, and presence. Animation demonstrates how the animating power of life is forward, onward, and upward impulse. It's the evolutionary force. Natural life in and of itself is not intelligence. It's raw like rain and wind and snow. Life derives its, its intelligence from the consciousness behind it. When we use our own consciousness, tune it to our intuitive wisdom, our unifying love and trusting faith, that engages the animating power of life. And with these qualities uppermost in our awareness, building a life experience that outpictures these qualities is what we're doing. The animating principle is behind the rhythm and flow of life. We say life is a roller coaster, right? Life is a dance. Life is a journey, a marathon. The rhythm of life within and around us is ever in motion. So it's best that we observe what's going on in the moment so that we can offer and bring our best self to it in that moment. We wield or use the animating power of life. It doesn't happen to us. Tune to the magnificent source of this life, the one mind out of which unifying love, cleansing release, creative imagination, expectant faith, and all our powers can respond to each new moment centered in truth. We're children of God. You know, God showed us how to create our intentions in the first book of Genesis. God said, let there be light, and there was light. We have that kind of power to just say what it is that we desire, and it will be. It is, I should say, not will be, not in the future. It is. We just have to get our vibration up to that. We just have to not waffle in what it is that we're saying. Vitality. Vitality is essential, necessary, having energy and the ability to thrive. Wholeness is our true nature. Nothing is missing. Wholeness is not always obvious to us. We have to see wholeness with our spiritual eye. Let's just take Stephen Hawkins. Stephen Hawkins is a brilliant mm -hmm. man who was trapped in a body that had a condition that made him be in a wheelchair. And he looked very um, physically like he was not whole. But yet, he found black holes and he founded quantum gravity. The man was brilliant. Now, would you say because of the way he looked, he wasn't whole? You can't take away that genius from him just because of his physical appearance. Wholeness is not conditional. It is a spiritual reality, a truth principle at the heart of a vitalizing life. Vitality is our capacity to thrive 
to wield life energy. Our vitality is expressed through our intentions. And here's a quote from Charles Filmer, which I thought was brilliant. It's in his book called Jesus Christ Heals, page 105. When we are not manifesting life as we desire, it is because our thoughts and our conversation are not in accord with the life idea. Every time we think life, speak life, rejoice in life, we are setting free and bringing into expression in ourselves more and more of the life idea. So what is it that you're saying about your life? We are made in the likeness and image of God. We can do what Jesus did. The last part is presence. Presence is a vibrational evidence of life. Each of us has a distinctive, unrepeatable expression of God, the one mind. In unity, we call it individuality. But each of us is present. We are one with the one. Our presence displays distinctive radiance of the one. We are each radiating lights of the universal source, and we display a distinctive presence because we are one with it. We recognize someone's presence not just by seeing their body. It's a tone in their voice. It's a feeling tone something more than physical. I could have somebody physically in front of me speaking to me, but if they're not present, I could feel it. And you probably could too. Or if you're not present with somebody when you're talking to them, they could, they could also feel that. The other presence I want to talk about, if you, I talked earlier about if you've ever been in the room with somebody who passed on, you can feel the presence of our loved ones or of people when they're not here. When I got married, my mother had already passed, and I had to go get my wedding gown, and I went with my sisters. So we walk into David's bridal, and I walk up to the lady. I said, I only want to spend $300 on my wedding gown. She's like, okay. So she starts bringing me wedding gowns. Well, my friend Janine, who just felt like we were there to look, she starts helping her, and she brings me this amazing gown. It's $1,400. I'm like, Janine, I want to spend $300. So the lady said, well, it's actually on sale for $700. I'm like, okay, so that's a little bit more than double what I wanted to spend. But And Janine looked me in the eye and says, we're just here to try things on, to see what you like. I'm like, okay. So, of course, I try on this dress, and I start to cry. So I know it's my dress, right? And I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to, you know, this is the one time I'm doing this is getting married, so I'm going to buy the dress I want. So the lady takes the dress up to the front, and I'm talking to my sisters about what I want them to wear, peacock colors, but they could pick out whatever dress. And the woman comes over and says, Teresa, I need you. I said, all right. So I grab my purse thinking that she wants me to pay for the dress. I get up to the register, and she says, I, the dress wasn't coming up in the register, so I called my boss, and it turns out it's on clearance. It's $99. <laughs> well... I just start to cry because I knew my mother was present. And just as a little uh, history, what my mother did before she met my father was she made wedding gowns. Aww. So I'm sobbing. <laughs> and I go, I'm walking towards my sisters and they're like, what's the matter? <laughs> and I said, the dress was on clearance. It was $99. And all three of them at the same time said, mommy's here. And we felt it. Her presence was there, and she continued to be there. On the way home, I called my friend Hope, who was part of my wedding party, who didn't really, actually, she didn't even like my mother, quite frankly, but um, she didn't really know. 
And I said, okay, we've got, <laughs> we've got the gown. What do you want to do for flowers? I said, I don't know. I don't know what to do for flowers. She said, it's really weird. What's coming to me is gardenias. And I was just like, gardenias were my mother's favorite flowers. As a matter of fact, she had a little gardenia bush in our house. And she used to say to us, sorry, mom, but I'm going to rat you out here. If you go dear my, if you go near my gardenias, I'm going to chop your hands off. She used to say, <laughs> so I just knew once again in that moment that my mother was present. I couldn't have gardenias at my wedding. They just, they, they told me they brown too easily or whatever. So anyway, so, so my back to presence, we can feel the presence of people even after they've transitioned. So it's not about our physical body. Our presence doesn't depend on our physicality. It lives in eternity. In our spiritual presence, others may awaken to their own divine identity. When we stand in a moment fully alive, fully present, we may be every bit as effective as Jesus was when in his presence others experienced their own innate wholeness, when they healed themselves by touching the piece of his garment. It was his wholeness that they were aware of. So I'm going to ask the questions one more time as we close. There's a lot of them, but just know the one that you're supposed to hang on to will stick in your mind. Are you using your power of life to live life fully? Do you express love, real love? Do you forgive, really forgive? Do you seek adventure, real adventure? Do you play, really play? Do you seek wellness, real wellness? Do you stop, really stop? Do you share your good? Do you live life fully present in the presence? Do you say yes to the God within you? I want to say thank you. I love you. I appreciate you. I am your sister in fun, prosperity, power. And until we meet again, know that you are blessed and a blessing.